Listen to Disney's Four Scores, a new podcast featuring composers like Randy Newman, Kristen Anderson Lopez, and Robert Lopez, and Christoph Beck as they talk about creating music for Frozen 2, the Toy Story films, Ant-Man, and many more. Subscribe to Four Scores today. Welcome to Courtney Beyond the Cake, stories that inspire, uplift, and fill your soul with joy, much like cake. Growing up in a biracial home in a predominantly white suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, Jasmine Bradshaw frequently had conversations with her parents about what it means to be black. To her, those conversations didn't seem the least bit out of the ordinary or uncomfortable. It wasn't until years later and into her marriage that Jasmine learned how uncommon those conversations were for people outside of the black community. As she had more and more discussions with her friends and church congregation, Jasmine discovered that while they may not have had the same conversations as she did growing up, they were ready to learn now about having those conversations with their own families. Jasmine and her husband Carter started speaking at church events about how to be more inclusive of other races, religions, and cultures, but they wanted to do more. And just last year, they launched the First Name Basis podcast to create a community of families who are committed to teaching their children how to truly love the people around them, no matter their differences, and to value inclusion and diversity. Each week, Jasmine shares with listeners tools, knowledge, practical strategies for talking to your children about race, religion, and culture. With a background in education, Jasmine teaches in such an honest, thoughtful, and loving way. And today I'm thrilled to have Jasmine on my podcast, sharing her journey and giving us the tools for talking to our kids about race, what it means to be anti-racist and how to be more inclusive. Okay. Welcome friends to another episode of Courtney Beyond the Cake and a huge welcome and thank you to my new friend, Jasmine Bradshaw, the host of the First Name Basis podcast for joining us tonight. So great to have you on the show today. I am so excited to be here. This is amazing. Okay. I am really eager to have this conversation with you. And as I was telling you a little while ago, um, I first heard your podcast about a month ago, shortly after George Floyd was murdered and a lot of conversation was going on in the news and in our families and our communities about race. And it was a time that I was realizing, and I'm 37, you guys, I was realizing how much I didn't know and I didn't understand about race and about being black and what that life is like. And I grew up all over the country and I played basketball with girls that are black and I went to school with boys and girls that were black in all different races in Chicago and Pittsburgh and California, you know? So I thought I knew, but I think like a lot of people right now, especially in the white community, we, and I'm speaking for myself at least, I was shocked at my lack of understanding and knowledge. And at that same time, I came across your podcast through a friend. I heard it through the grapevine and I, I tuned in and started listening and I jumped into to season two and I was just immediately drawn to you. And I immediately felt like the sense of comfort. And you were talking about hard things, difficult things, things that make people uncomfortable. And I went into it expecting to feel uncomfortable. And I listened to that first episode and I felt comfort. And I think one, you have a beautiful voice as you talk. So you've got this great tone, but also you spoke like a mom, like with honesty, with love, with such compassion. And so even though you were discussing and you are discussing 
difficult topics and things that are hard and, and not just about race, but religion and culture. Um, just all these really important things that we don't spend enough time discussing because we think it's going to be awkward or uncomfortable and, and you're addressing them. And I'm, I'm feeling peace. And I felt, I think part of it was, I felt hope because I felt hope that I, all of a sudden I, I knew I was learning more instantly. Like I had just like more, this wealth of knowledge and I was so grateful for it, but the hope really came because I felt for the first time in this recent time of this, you know, 2020, that I had the tools, the knowledge, and I knew how, like I felt better armed to go talk to my kids about difficult, uncomfortable things. And that's because of you. And so I was hooked and I reached out to you about coming onto the podcast because I mean, selfishly, I want to learn more. I look forward to your episodes every week right now. And I, I think more so though, I hope to give you and your voice another place to be heard and another place to teach. And so, and not just parents, but individuals and kids, because I feel like, yes, teenagers can hear this. And the parents then can take those learnings and go talk to their kids. And just, there's going to be so much good that comes out of your podcast and the things that you have to say. And so I just hope to just spread it. Oh. Well, thank you. That is seriously so encouraging to hear because that's our whole goal. Like when I sit down to record or plan an episode, I always think about the mom on the other end and I want her to leave feeling empowered. And like, she has the power to make so much of a difference in the walls of her home. I feel like that is where so much of the change is going to come because inside our homes is a really sacred space that we cultivate. And and then we send out our children to change the community and it just trickles out from there. So I'm so glad to hear that that's how you feel after listening, because that is exactly what I want when I'm recording. Well, I, I don't think I'm the only one that feels that way. I go through your comments and I just think you're making a great impact because truly I, I completely agree. The home is where it starts, whether it's just you in the home or there's a family in the home, like it has to start right there. And it trickles out. And sometimes I think we worry that, um, we're not having as big of an impact, you know, like this great broad impact. I'm like, no, it is in the walls of your own home. So I love that we're aligned on that. We're going to get to a conversation about how to talk to your kids about race, how to be anti-racist in your own personal life, in your family, in your community. I feel like we'll probably like need to talk again because there's <laughs> just, I, there's just so much to talk about. But first, I really do love getting to know everyone's story and behind every project or business or podcast, there's a why. And I'd love to get to know your why and how this podcast came about. Um, so why don't you just kind of share with us the journey that brought you to the First Name Basis podcast? Yeah, absolutely. So my husband and I, my husband is white and I am black biracial. So my mom is white and my dad is black. And we were asked by a few different people in church, like, what is it like to be an interracial couple in our church? And so we... Um, organized what we call a devotional. It's just people coming together um, who are were interested in what we had to say about our experiences and what it was like and our relationships with the Lord. And so we had been kind of 
almost going around sharing this message with different people. And one night we went and we gave our spiel and we told everybody the the biggest message that we were always telling people is that it's so much harder to feel hate and contempt for people when you actually know them. When you are able to put a face to an issue, it makes you passionate and um, excited and wanting to make a difference in that community and in that sphere. So we went and we gave our little presentation and we asked for questions at the end. And there was a man and he was so incredibly earnest. He raised his hand and he was like, okay, I hear this. And this is sounds amazing, but how, how do I do this? Like everywhere I go, people look like me at work, at church, yeah. um, just in my community, everybody looks like me and everybody is of my same faith. So we were sharing this message and we finished sharing and we opened it up for questions. And this man sitting in the very front row, he raised his hand and he was so earnest. And he was like, I really want to do what you're saying. I want to engage with other people and I want to make a difference, but I just don't know how. What does that look like? How do you do that? And he said, everywhere I go, everybody looks like me. At church, they look like me. At work, they look like me. And a lot of people believe like me. And he was like, I just don't know what to do. And we gave some answers like, oh, you can volunteer or you can go to cultural events. Um, But on the way home, my husband and I were both kind of quiet. Just I could tell that we were both reflecting, right? And so we get home, we're getting ready for bed. And he turns to me and he's like, are you thinking about that guy? And I was like, yes, I'm thinking about his question. And he was like, I feel like even though we gave him an answer, I want to give more. Like he was like, that is what we need to figure out how to do. How do we give people the tools so that they can actually do this in their lives? And so that's when we started brainstorming and thinking, okay, what does it look like to be a family who values inclusion and love and justice and actually is able to live that out in their lives. So that's kind of how First Name Basis came about because we were like, we need to start a a community of parents, a community of people in general who are passionate about this and really wanted to take action and figuring out what are the steps? Like, what are the practical things you can do to live out your values in a really powerful way? You know how much I love a routine. And I've learned that having a routine to start my day really helps me combat my stress and unexplained sadness. But sometimes the routine alone is not enough. And I don't always want to turn to prescribed medication that makes me feel exhausted or a CBD oil that leaves a funny taste in my mouth. And I'm honestly never really sure how much I'm getting. Recently though, I found Caliper, a better way to consume CBD. The first thing I noticed after mixing one small packet of Caliper powder into my water was that I felt calm so much faster and I wasn't tired. You guys, that was huge. Not to immediately feel wiped was a big win for me. I also love that caliber powder is flavorless and I can mix it to any of my drinks. I usually though, just mix the 20 milligram packet into a small glass of water and take it when I feel my stress building up or even after a tough run or bike ride to help with soreness. I can feel the difference in about 15 minutes. Also really important to me is that caliber is completely THC free, which means all the benefits of CBD with no high. So today I want to share with you an exclusive discount to try Caliber. You'll get 20% off your first order when you use promo code beyond cake at tricaliper.com forward slash beyond cake. You can try it risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. So head to tricaliper.com forward slash beyond cake. And don't forget to use that promo code beyond cake for 20% off your first order. 
Tell us a little bit about everything that you cover in your podcast, because it's not just race and we will talk about that, but it's not just race. So what else are you covering in the podcast? Yes. So our goal is to give parents the tools they need to talk to their children about race, religion, and culture. So we feel like those three things are really intertwined, but also they're kind of taboo in our community. Mm -hmm. And what we realized is that like sometimes parents will shy away from talking to their children about these things. But when we don't take the time to talk to our kids, then society is going to teach our kids. And we've noticed that that you know, doesn't produce the outcomes that we want. So we were like, if we can give people real tangible, intentional tools about not just race, but religion and culture as as well, then they can make their lives match their values. Yeah. I think we're seeing that a lot, right? Especially about like even Juneteenth, for example, right? Like you and I talked about that and I just learned about it from your podcast, but I'm like, how did I not know about that in school? Well, school only taught me about Martin Luther King day and a couple marches and Rosa Parks. And it's like, wait a second, there's so much more. And I don't know it because I wasn't taught it. Also, I have responsibility to learn more as an adult, which is on me. And I am trying to catch up on that part. But like, where, where was that when we were growing up, you know? And so I, I feel like there's, I don't know, I, there's anger inside of me and frustration for that. But I mean, yours has got to be tenfold, right? Yeah. And that's something that was difficult growing up, but my dad, my parents both were really intentional about making sure that we knew where we came from and kind of understood our own background and the contributions of um, black people in our society. And Mm -hmm. he would make us like do these book reports where we would have to like look up black inventors and then come to the dinner table with the report of who we looked up and what they did and things like that, because he knew we weren't getting them at school. And it's important to recognize that like the people who hold the power in our society get to decide what we learn in school. And so it does start from this very young age. And that's why we need to start as parents talking to our children when they're just little ones. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear your, a little bit about your childhood, um, and growing up in a mixed race family and how that has, um, impacted your marriage now in mixed race marriage, your daughter's white, you know, give us a little bit of a, a glimpse, I guess I would say into, into what that was like and how it affects your life on a day-to-day basis. Um, so growing up, my parents, because so I was born in San Francisco. My parents are both from New York and they moved to California when my mom was getting her PhD. And then um, when I was about five, we ended up moving to Phoenix because my parents really wanted us to have to be able to go to the neighborhood school, walk to school and have friends in the neighborhood and things like that. Whereas in California, it's an amazing community, but it would have had to be like going to a charter school or a private school and all these different yeah. things. And so they were like, we just really want like a stable family community that we can live in. So we moved here and I think it was a real shock. I I remember just talking to my mom like a a few weeks ago and she was like, your dad told me I had to wait for 18 months um, because I was ready to go back as soon as we got here. And she was just kind of shocked by how segregated things were here. Mm -hmm. And um, because in San Francisco, obviously things, they, they still have the issue of segregation, but it's a lot more diverse and it was just easier, she thought, to uh-huh. kind of 
be around different types of people. And so when we moved to the suburbs of Phoenix, she was like, what is this? And my dad too, of course. And we've always been the only, um, the only Mm -hmm. black family or the only mixed race family. And so we had to have a lot of conversations early on about like, what are our values as a family? What are the things that you're going to face as a, as you know, black girls, but also black women when you get older? And um, how do you stand up for yourself when people are saying negative things about your skin or your hair or your nose, just these different things that other children, they didn't have to deal with, or they, or they, a lot of kids, I don't really think realize that when they were saying, why is your hair so fluffy? it was really hurtful, you know, and it was just because their parents hadn't had conversations about with them about differences and embracing differences. And so that with our little littles is that's where we want to start. We want to affirm them and their identity and helping them understand how important every facet of them is, whether it be how they look on the outside, how they are on the inside, what they believe, like who they believe in all of those types of things. And then after we have affirmed that in them, Then we want to move on to, okay, now there are other people in the world who are completely different from you and everything is valid. And that's one of the things, one of the tenets of anti-racist, anti-bias education is just that everybody's different. And you just kind of embrace that over and over and over again with little kids. And the best thing about little kids is that they will say whatever they're thinking, right? (laughs) Yes. And which is sometimes oh. the most embarrassing thing ever. You're in the grocery store. You're like, please do yes. not say that. Why I think every mom person- is cringing right now thinking about that moment, right? When someone, one of their kids has just said something that they're like, oh, I hope that person didn't hear it. And, and what do you do in those moments? How do you take advantage of that as a learning opportunity? You know, what do you do? Yes, absolutely. So I'll give you an example of my daughter. We were at the Children's Museum one time and there was a woman who was helping us and she was wearing a hijab, like a head covering because she was mm-hmm. Muslim. And um, my two-year-old literally pointed at her and said, what is that? And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. So I turned to her and I said, oh my goodness, that's a new friend. I said, you know, I asked her her name and she told us her name. And I said, this is Violet, my daughter. And I said, um, Violet, did you notice what she's wearing on her head? And I asked her, is it okay if I ask you about that? I, I knew that it was a hijab. And so I said, is, is that a hijab? And she said, yes. And I told her she wears that because she loves God. Remember how we talked about how we love God? And she was, and she just said, okay. And you know, went on her merry way. But it was like taking that time in that moment to teach her that was so important because if I had said, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't say that. Then when she has that question again, she's not going to ask because that's what the research shows is that our children have these questions and it's based on our reaction if they continue to ask them. So the questions don't go away. They just will hold them in. If you, if let's say you're at the grocery store and your child sees a black person for the first time. And I've heard this story from a mom. She said, my kid said, why is that man all covered in black paint? And she was like, I was mortified. I didn't know what to say. And I just shushed her and I got us out of there. And she was like, but what do you say? And I said, first, acknowledge his humanity, right? Say, that's a new friend. I'm so excited that you want to meet this friend. And then you can teach them about melanin. So it's, it's so simple. And it's one of those things that kids really pick up on. Well, and I think, okay, I got to tell you my story too about that, because 
I, the conversation about skin color came up with my Avery, who's almost seven years old. But I, what I was going to say real quick is that I don't think we give our kids enough credit for just understanding the basics of some of these conversations. And we think, and I totally am guilty of this, like for the first part of motherhood with Weston, because he was my only child for nearly five years, like my conversations would be like lectures, not like it, not like he was, um, in trouble, but it was like, okay, I'm gonna sit you down. I'm gonna have this whole conversation about, you know, why, um, that person has the eye shape that they have or, you know, that their color, their skin. And it's good. And honestly, like an, an hour later, Ryan is like, he stopped listening to you after the first minute you were talking, right? So I've really tried to condense my conversations and and gear them and aim them towards the age that they're in. And so I, I think one, we need to, well, I have found that I do better when I kind of condense it and I shorten it and the kids do better, right? It's better received. And then all of a sudden they can soak in that one sentence of understanding and knowledge and move forward. And that's now in their armor, right? And in their brain. Um, we were in the car the other day and we were going to a march for Black Lives Matter uh, in our community. And so we had written some, some posters and we were just having a conversation. And I just was kind of explaining like, do you know why we're doing this and why this is important and why we're supporting the Black community? And Avery goes, well, why is their skin dark? Why, why is there dark skin? Why is there brown skin? And I was like, Oh wait, I know the answer. I just listened to your podcast. And I was like, well, they have more melanin and we have more, we have less melanin. And so Avery is the back there and she goes, Oh, okay. Just soaks it in. And I had given her the answer. And I said, yeah, you know, more melanin, less melanin. And it was just perfect, like explanation for a six-year-old. And she did respond back with, so is that like melatonin? And I said, no, no, no. And, and then we, we did have a little discussion about genes and DNA. And, and we did then discuss how God created us all equally, but we were meant to be different because our differences and uniquenesses are here to help one another grow and to learn from one another. And he purposely made each one of us you know, and so it led into that discussion, which is important to me, um, because I'm Christian and believe in God and Jesus Christ. And so it was kind of a really beautiful way to start with like, okay, here's like the science, the, the knowledge that you should just know, right. Growing up. And then here is how that ties also into our faith and our belief in a heavenly father. Right. Yes. Well, I love how you connected it with your values because that is the best way that we can help our children understand how important it is to us is by having those ongoing conversations and making mm -hmm. sure that they understand how closely it aligns with our values. I think that because anti-racism is kind of a, it's newly, um, widely understood. People are still trying to figure out how it fits into their life and yeah. they might feel like a little bit awkward about it, but it just takes practice because I love how you saw that opportunity as like, and this is how it aligns with everything that we've always been talking about as you've been growing up and how much we love the Lord and how much we love each other. And that's what we're called to do while we're here on this earth. So I, that is such a powerful story. Well, I thank you. I mean, you're the reason that that, that happened and, and what I learned from you. Um, I want to touch on really quickly because I think it's important to a lot of the reading and the learning that I've been trying to do as I've been listening um, is non-racist versus anti-racist. And 
the importance of teaching our children to be anti-racist and we ourselves being anti-racist because before two months ago, I would tell you, well, I'm not racist. You know, I, I idolized Michael Jordan growing up. There's so many people that like of color that I idolize that I look up to in business and sports and baking and all these things. But as I have read some books, as I've been listening to your podcast and others, I'm understanding that I've truly never been anti-racist and there's a difference. So will you help us understand that a little bit more? Yeah. So we live in a society where race is baked into everything we do. Um, it's baked into the systems that we live under, education, healthcare, criminal justice, everything that we do and everywhere we move, race plays a factor. And there are lots of studies and research that we could go into and we won't right now, but it that's why it's so important to be anti-racist because it's, it's, um, there's a researcher, her name is Beverly Daniel Tatum, and she talks about how racism is like a smog. And sometimes it's really thick and you can see it super clearly. And that's like what we usually think of as racism, like white hoods, burning crosses, all of that stuff that we all, you know, disavow completely. But right. then there's other times when it's really um, thin. And even though you can't see it, it's still there and you're still breathing it in. And so those are like the the jokes or the, can I touch your hair or all of those different types of things that are happening on a daily basis. So that's why it's so important that we are being anti-racist because she goes on to talk about how it's like, we're all on this moving walkway, like we're at the airport and we need to be turning around and walking the other direction on the walkway. So anti-racism is really having those conversations and choosing to be active in your standing up against um, the systems that are going on in our society and even working to dismantle them. Yeah. So, okay. So coming from like where I am right now in Utah, it's a very white community. And I've been, I've lived in Chicago. I've lived in Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, um, San Francisco, and had a lot more diversity. And when we moved away from San Francisco to come to Utah, Ryan and I were a little discouraged by the lack of diversity that we'd have because it it did allow us to have a lot of conversations with Weston that we really wanted to have and were eager to have. And so I feel like I've dropped the ball coming here. I love it here. I love the people here. But I sometimes feel like the man who came up to you after that church meeting that said, but how do I, how do I do that? So at this point, I've had self-discovery. Okay. I I am trying to actively be anti-racist. I am trying to teach my children how to be anti-racist. What else do I do in a community that's predominantly white? Yeah. So one of the first things that comes to mind that parents can do is start with yourself. And it sounds like you're already doing that because if we can't teach our children something that we don't understand or don't know ourselves. So we need to be modeling all the time what it looks like to make these realizations and notice. So let's say you walk into a restaurant and everybody in the restaurant is white and your family's white too. I would say something like, oh, wow, I noticed that there are some people missing in this restaurant and then have a a conversation about who's Mm. missing and why that is. Why is it that our entire community are people that look like us? Because there's another study that was done that they found that toddlers as young as three years old were starting to show these racist um, thought, these racist characteristics. And they were like, 
why would a kid who's so young and their parents are like, Mm -hmm. I would never tell them to think badly about somebody because of the color of their skin. And so they started doing this research with these little kids and they were trying to figure out why do they have these racist attitudes when they've never been taught that explicitly. And what they found is that the environment is what was teaching them. And it wasn't necessarily that um, they were seeing like black people as bad in their environment. They just weren't seeing them at all. And so they were looking around and seeing everybody in my in my circle, everyone who takes care of me and loves me and supports me and protects me looks like me. So the people outside of that probably aren't safe people, or maybe they're not good people. And that's why they don't live in my community. And so let's say you go and you're getting your tire changed and the person who's changing your tire is a person of color. And that's the only time that your child has the opportunity to see a person of color. They're going to get the idea in their mind that that is what their um, place in is society place in society is, is to serve me, is to change my tire or mow my lawn and all of those types of things. So as parents, we need to be creating an environment where our children can see people of all different races and colors and cultures and religions and doing positive things and doing normal things, you know, being the president, being a CEO, being an astronaut, but also like being a dad who takes his kid to the pool and being a mom who takes her baby to the market. Like all of those things are so important. Okay. So I just want to dive into that a little deeper with a community. Let's say a parent doesn't have the resources or the ability to really like leave within the walls of their own home or their community, right. To be able to expose. And maybe sometimes that's through travel or like us, we've moved a lot. I moved a lot growing up and was exposed to a lot of diversity. Um, what, what are other ways? I mean, do you suggest books, movies, television shows? That is the best place to start books and movies and TV shows, because you are in a space in your home when you're reading a book where your child feels completely safe and they feel like they can say whatever. And so that's where you're going to start to understand what's really going on in their minds. And when our children say things, so one of the things I've learned really recently is that when we start to talk to our children about race and bias, um, a lot of kids will actually start to um, express those biases more or express that quote unquote racism more. And it's not because you're making things worse. I've had a few moms reach out to me like, I feel like I'm making it worse. This is a nightmare. And I'm like, no, that's good. Because then you can see where the disconnect is and you can help change that. Because before, if they weren't saying anything, then you had no idea what was going on in their heads. But now they're saying it out loud and you're like, oh, okay, I see where the misstep is. And then you can correct that. And the other thing um, that you can do as a family is really look for cultural events in your area. I thought when we started first name basis, I remember saying to my husband, it would be so much easier if we lived somewhere else because they would actually have cultural events. And he was like, well, let's like be really intentional and look for them. They are everywhere. And we, before COVID, we went to at least two a month because there are so many people who just want to share with you. They want to share their religion. Mm -hmm. They want to share where they're from and their food. And oh my gosh, it's so fun. And it, first of all, it's delicious, right? To eat all these foods from around the world, but it just normalizes it for our kids. Like it's normal for people to be different. That is the most normal thing about growing up in this world, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I love that idea. And can we please just COVID, could it go away? Could we, you know, I just, I want these activities again, um, because even being able to, for me to go to Salt Lake and go to a farmer's market, 
all of a sudden there's a lot more diversity and um, we've done the Greek festival up there and, you know, we could celebrate Juneteenth. I know they did something we weren't able to attend, but we did our, a little celebration in our own home. Um, What I'm taking from that is the active role as a parent that I need to do, not just in my home and with a book or a movie or pointing things out or addressing things when they come up in conversation, but saying, okay, but what else can I do? Well, I can, I can take them to these events and we can go actively seek these learning opportunities. So I think that's a wonderful idea. Um, and I can't wait till we have the opportunity to do that again. Oh, I know. And another thing that I just thought of was our children. So I used to be a teacher. I taught second grade. And one of my favorite units to do was like a community activism unit where all the kids would get to pick. They would get in groups and they would get to choose for themselves. What is something in our community, a problem that you see that you would like to solve? You would be amazed at what our children know and what they can come up with, like their ideas, even as little seven-year-olds, I'm like, that rocks. We need to send that to our governor. So just asking your children, what do you see around you that you want to fix? What makes you the, I would always tell them, what is something that makes you the most sad? And that's the thing that Uh. you need to go and fix. And they would come up with the most amazing ideas. So just doing that kind of stuff as a family too, like what do we see in our community that we don't like? Because we really do have the power to change things. I love that question. And can you please come up and teach my children in school? No, they've had wonderful kids, but I are teachers, but I, I love that conversation, like asking them and giving them, empowering them to come up with a solution, even at such a young age, whether it's second grade or for me, sixth grade as well. Um, I am curious because I have an older child and I can have deeper conversations that are more detailed. Um, how do you transition that conversation as they get a little bit older, uh, preteens and teenagers? Yeah. So with those children, what I would suggest is really just pointing it out anytime you see it. So if you Mm -hmm. hear, And you know what your child can handle. And that's one of those things that people have been asking me, do I talk to my five-year-old about George Floyd? No, our five-year-olds are not ready to hold the violence and the heartache of all of that. And that's okay. But if you have a 12-year-old, they probably can. They've heard, they have been learning about things in school and having these conversations. And why not have it within the safety of your home than send them out into the world to hear it from somebody else, right? So having those conversations when things come up is really important, but also like role-playing and asking them like, what would you do if you were at school and somebody told a racist joke? How would you, how would you stand up against that? Because we, um, as parents, we are always talking about our values, especially, I know, like you mentioned, you're a woman of faith and so am I, we are always talking about that with our kids very intentionally. So this is no different. We just need to create space to have these conversations, even though they feel like they might be awkward or hard or heavy, our kids really have so much empathy within them and they can use it as a tool to spur them into action. Yeah. One thing I've noticed too, and with Weston, where the questions, even at a young age, were very um, mature. I would sometimes find myself feeling like I didn't know the answer And I have found myself at times saying, do you know what? Let me look that up a little bit. Like, let me do a little research and come back to you because I actually want to give you the answer. I don't want to beat around the bush. I don't want to sugarcoat it. You know, I I want to give you the right answer. So I feel like it's okay for parents to say, do you know what? 
I need to learn about that more. And then we can have that conversation. Have you found that? Absolutely. And I feel like that's part of the modeling is being able to step away and say, I really don't know the answer to this question and helping your children understand we are on a journey together. Why don't we go and figure it out together and showing them how do you look up something that you don't know? Where do you go? What is a reliable source? Because I mean, you know, there are so many people out there saying so many different right. things. How do you know what aligns with what your values are as a family and then how you can find those answers? So I think that that is the perfect way to put it because, and the other thing is, modeling to them what to do when you make a mistake, because you will make Mm, a mistake. And that's the thing about talking about race. And um, one of those things about being anti-racist is that racist and anti-racist, they're not like, they're not a fixed identity. It's like you can say something or do something racist and that doesn't make it who you are forever. We would never call you a liar for the rest of your life because you told a lie once, right? So if you say something that's wrong or you say something that you didn't, even if you didn't intend to, just apologizing and saying, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I will try to change and here's how I'm gonna do it differently next time is so powerful. And I think that because racist is such a charged word, people get so upset when it's applied to them or it's applied to something that they said. But we need to be thinking about the impact that we're making rather than the intent behind it. Because even if your intent was good, if the impact that you make is harmful to somebody, then then you have a responsibility to help them heal. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, at the end of the day, you guys, we, for many of us, I'm speaking again for myself, I'm saying we, I am learning new things. We are learning new things It's like making cake for the first time, you guys. You will stumble, you will make mistakes, but with each mistake you make, you learn something new. And, uh, you know, I think that's the most important thing because then you move forward on the next opportunity to make your cake or to talk about race and have these conversations and try to make an impact um, that you can then improve and you may stumble again, but then you improve and and you just keep learning. And I feel like there's so much hope in the opportunity to learn whatever it is in our life. Yes. Oh, I love that. And imagine what might've happened if you stopped after that first cake, like that would be so heartbreaking. And I think it's so important for people to remember that as people of color, when we tell you that something has hurt us that you've done, it's coming from a place of value of our relationship. Mm -hmm. So when I have a relationship with somebody and they say something hurtful to me, if I don't actually value our relationship, I just won't tell them because it's so anxiety provoking for me to tell somebody, Hey, actually that's racist because of this. I don't like doing that. I don't look for opportunities to do that. It's one of those things that I just wish I never had to do. But if I love that person and I know that their relationship is so important to me and I want us to grow deeper and stronger and be connected, then I'll bring it up to them. And so when somebody is telling you that you did something, it means that they really value you. And I know that it's really hard to hear, but it really speaks volumes to how much they trust you and how much they love you. That's a really great point. I appreciate you bringing that up. But okay, we are running out of time and I knew we would need a second episode at some point. So we're going to have to get back on here and talk again because there's just so many more questions I have for you. And you know, maybe next time too, um, I'll give everyone a heads up 
and we could get some questions. Would oh, you be up for that? That would be so fun. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. So this, we're going to call this Jasmine Bradshaw part one. <laughs> <laughs> and then we will have a part two. Um, I just want to leave people with um, all your information. Um, so will you give us, you know, your, your podcast again, your website, your Instagram, and then also, are there any specific resources for parents that you suggest, um, for helping your kids, you know, or talking to your kids about race and learning to be anti-racist. Yeah, absolutely. So my podcast is the first name basis podcast and you'll know because my face, it's the picture of my face. Um, and my voice, right? So start there. And I have a few episodes right at the beginning about talking to your children about race, young children, older children, and then talking to your children about slavery. And we go into everything. Privilege. You do. And you guys start, just start with the first episode. It kind of, it's like a storyline and a book and you just, you really do. You have to start at the beginning. So yeah. And they're not too far behind, right? Because it just started back in August. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. And I will, I'm actually having a baby in in August. So I'm going to be taking a little break. So you'll have tons of time to catch up while I'm on maternity leave. Um, but yeah, start with our podcast. And then we also have an Instagram page first name dot basis. And I love to be on Instagram because that's where I get to talk to you and like, just really understand what our community is going through and the questions that they have. And I try in all of our posts to really give people an opportunity to talk about what they've been doing in their homes and how it's going and ask questions. So um, that's another resource. And then one that I've started really recently that we're so excited about is our Patreon page. Um, so it's patreon.com slash first name basis. And it's just a membership site where um, people can contribute to support the podcast. But then we have parents who are really committed to this journey and they are always on there asking questions. I share everything, all the articles that I'm reading and coming across, I'm always sharing it on there. And we do a monthly live question and answer session. So anybody who's really dedicated to doing this in their home and their like, okay, I came across this sticky situation. My child said this and I don't know how to respond. I will be right there helping guide you along with that. So I, I love that so much. And I am going to join that right after we get done talking, because I love that you've built this community and it's there on Instagram, but I feel like this added element is, is going to be just so helpful and awesome. And Thank you. Thank you so much for this. You guys, um, if you look at Jasmine's podcast, she will link like all her resources and articles with every topic that she's talking about. So she offers so many resources. Go look at her highlights. Um, there's different topics there that you can start to um, familiarize yourself with as well as listening to the podcast and, and watching her stories. You, I know, will learn so much and I have no doubt that you will feel the same comfort and hope that I felt the very first time I heard Jasmine speak. So Jasmine, thank you. We will gear up for part two before you go on maternity. So let's do that in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. This was so great. Thank you, Jasmine. All right, friends. I will be back here next week for another episode of Courtney Beyond the Cake. Thanks friends for tuning in today. For show notes and other episodes of Courtney Beyond the Cake, head to cakebycourtney.com forward slash podcast. And for all things cake, remember you can find me over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Cake by Courtney. And for all my recipes, products, information about my online classes, just head to cakebycourtney.com.
New season, new wardrobe, and we're kicking off fall in style with Macy's VIP sale. Use your coupon or Macy's card and take an extra 30% off fall's biggest trends. Apple picking on the agenda, hello plaid and tall boots, and hey, maybe this is the season you try culottes. And our best brands like Ink, Calvin Klein, and Tommy Hilfiger, yep, they're included too. Plus, get your glam on with 15% off the beauty brands you love. And Star Rewards members earn on every purchase except gift cards, services, and fees. Going on now at Macy's. Let's go, go, with go, go, squeeze. We're going, growing, standing tall. Climbing, laughing, hide and seeking, giving our all. Our kids' days are filled with adventure. And Go Go Squeeze is there for every run, jump, step of the way. Made from wholesome ingredients like 100% fruit and veggies, real yogurt, and no artificial anything. In Go Anywhere pouches, so our kids can keep going wherever their adventures take them. Go Go Squeeze. You make the memories, we'll make the snacks. Find us in the applesauce aisle.